Yeah. So anyways, that's how week one is going. Get into your groups this week. Uh, do the first half, and then we'll be on track. And so this is kind of week zero, and the, the question today is, what is following, or what are followers? I'm going to dive right into the text just after I pray here. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, um, or your phones, or whatever, uh, we are pretty much sticking with Luke 9, 57 to 62, so you won't have to do a lot of flipping. So if you want to open uh, while I pray, you can open your Bibles there. Father God, we just asked this morning that as we embark on this uh, seven-week, six- to seven-week journey of understanding what it is to be a fan or a follower, and as followers, understanding what following really means. Lord, I just pray that uh, we would um, learn from your word, that we would learn from each other, that this is this really amazing opportunity to be gathered in small groups and in growth groups and to be able to share our lives with each other, to be authentic and transparent with each other, and that we get to focus on a topic together and learn. And that doesn't always happen when we're all gathered. We aren't able to share when we're gathered as the church together. It's just too many, not enough time. So, Lord, I pray that these small groups, you would just bless them, that in groups of eight or nine or ten, uh, that each of these groups, people would be able to really dig into what it means to be a follower, what following has meant in their life, what following can mean for others, and how to move from just being a fan into being a fully committed follower. And that's who we want to be at Lakeside, Lord. That's the message we want to send. It's the life we want to live. So we pray for your blessing on this time, these next few weeks. In Christ's name, amen. So Luke 9 uh, gets right into this issue of following. And if you think of the New Testament and you think of the Gospels and you think of Jesus and his ministry, there was always a lot of people traveling with Jesus. There was always crowds that were following him around. But there were points in time in those moments when Jesus had all these crowds and all these people traveling with him. And there's a point in your life where it will happen as well, where Jesus will challenge he will question the people in the crowd to ask them, are they just traveling with him or are they really following him? And we have that example here in Luke 9, 57 to 62. It says in 57, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so the question that Jesus is asking here is, are, are you really following me or are you just traveling with me? And that's the question that really we start this series asking ourselves. We have this picture of these crowds following Jesus in Luke 14. If you were to go a little farther in Luke, you would find a similar situation in Luke 14 where it actually says there were a multitude of crowds or there were crowds of crowds of people following Jesus. And I think that's translated intentionally and, and rightly from the Greek because there were different kinds of crowds that were following Jesus. In other words, there were different types of people that were all following Jesus around for different reasons. 
I mean, the lawyers were there, the scribes were there, the Pharisees were there, um, you know, the 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 Jewish uh, just sort of common folk were there, the disciples were following him. There were different crowds of people following Jesus for different reasons. And some of them were traveling with Jesus. They weren't really following Jesus, they were just traveling along with him to see what Jesus was all about. What about these miracles? What about this teaching? What is Who is this Jesus guy? And the travelers were welcome. Like, let's start off there. Traveling with Jesus is welcome. The travelers are welcome. Jesus said and did the things that he did uh, so that there would be many people traveling with him and hearing his teaching. He performed the miracles. He healed the sick. He fed the, fed the hungry so that there would be travelers with him, that they would be curious about him so that he would have an opportunity to present the gospel to them. And so if you're curious, you haven't made up your mind, but you're drawn by what this Jesus says, you're drawn by these unique things that the Bible says, or maybe you're attracted by the type of people that seem to be following him, and you're wondering if you want to follow, and you're just traveling, that's okay. The travelers are welcome. And that's good. Traveling usually comes before following for most people. But if you're traveling along with Jesus, that will only happen for so long before eventually Jesus will challenge you just like he's challenged these three men that were following him. And he will challenge the crowds that are following him and ask, are you just traveling along with me or do you really understand what following is? And in this text, there are three people who show an inclination to follow Jesus. In verse 57, he says, I'll follow wherever you go, the first guy says. And Jesus replies, okay. You say you'll follow me wherever I go, but just keep in mind that even animals have homes. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but I don't have anywhere to call my home. I don't have anywhere to put my head down before you get into this. And then in verse 59, Jesus calls another to follow him, and this man says, okay, I'll follow, but first let me bury my father. To which Jesus says, no, no, you do kingdom work with your life and let the dead bury their own dead. If you're going to follow me, I have other obligations for you. And then a third person in verse 61 says, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my household. And Jesus responds with a very interesting agricultural reference there, not a household one, but he says, if you're going to put your hand to the plow to start out and then you turn back, then what you're showing is you're not prepared or you're not ready yet for the kingdom of heaven. And so he challenges these three people who are say they want to follow. These these three accounts, they get fired off kind of one, two, three in rapid succession there by the writer Luke. There's these three sessions, and they're sort of given a sentence each, and one, two, three in a row, Luke just sort of puts them out there. And as you're reading them, you barely have a chance to kind of think about the implications of one situation before you're presented with another, and then you're presented with another. And so if we're going to understand this following thing, and what Jesus is saying here, I think we have to slow down the text a little bit and try and see what's going on as, as Jesus is laying out what we're really talking about when we're talking about following. And I think we can gain a little insight as to why Jesus is answering the way that he's answering here by looking at the context of the verses just before this. If you were to go back in Luke 9 to verse 51, we see what's going on at this point in Jesus' life. It says in 51, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So Jesus knew that he was about to go to the cross. His ministry was coming to an end. And he was confronting that reality. He was going to Jerusalem, and it says he set his face, or he resolutely determined. He was insistent upon going to Jerusalem, knowing full well what was going to happen in Jerusalem. And we know what Jerusalem meant for Jesus. 
He said to his apostles in Luke 18, he says, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. This is what Jesus is going to in Jerusalem. And so in Luke 9, in verse 51, he's set his face upon Jerusalem. He is resolutely determined that he is going to Jerusalem and that this is what he is going to face there, his crucifixion. That's where Jesus is going. That's his path. And these people now are speaking of following him. And so you have to understand what's in Jesus' mind when these people say, I'll follow you, Jesus. And in verse 52, we're even told that he is making preparation to go. It says, Jesus sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him, but the people did not receive him because he was going to Jerusalem. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews, they hated each other, and so there's this group of apostles and and uh, and Jesus, they're coming through, and the Samaritans are basically saying, well, we, we don't even want these guys. We're not even going to put them up for the night because they're Jews and they're, they're going to their celebration or they're going to their feast in, in Jerusalem and we don't want any part of that. And so we get a hint here in the verses just previously that Jesus and to follow Jesus is to go someplace maybe you don't want to go. And that to follow Jesus is to maybe not be accepted on your way there either because you're not going to be welcomed. We see what Luke is now doing then with these three sort of quick snippets of conversation that Jesus has with these people who are following him along the road. In verse 57, again, he says, I will follow. In verse 59, follow me. In verse 61, I will follow you. The point of this phrase is that being a disciple of Jesus, that is being a Christian, is more than just learning about Jesus. It's more than just teachings about Jesus. It's more than just knowing who he is, and it's about making a decision about who he is. It's more than admiring what he has done or is going to do from afar. To be a follower of Jesus is actually to be on the path with Jesus and to be suffering and to be experiencing the same things that he's experiencing. To be fit for the kingdom, to be a disciple, to be a Christian, means joining Jesus on his path where he's going and following him every day. That's what following is. Nothing else is following. And some people may say that they follow Jesus or that they're a Christian, but they they don't seem to really follow Jesus. So they, they say they're followers, or they say they're Christians, or they say they know Jesus, but they're not really following. And, and they put their Christian stock in a decision that they made perhaps many years ago, right? Or the fact that they think that Jesus taught good things, or that they agree with the Bible. And so you have these people that would say, yeah, I remember I went to camp, and I made a decision, and, and I remember it was really emotional, and, and I was sorry for my sin, and, and uh, I, I remember... Somebody led me through something, and, and I'm a Christian. I mean, I haven't really thought about it since then, but, but I remember there was some experience at camp, and I'm a Christian. Or, you know, they say, oh, yeah, I think Jesus is a good guy. I, I've, I've read parts of the Bible, and I know what Christians believe, and the Bible's a good thing, and it teaches good things, so I'm, I'm a Christian because I, I agree with those things. But if you were to look at their life, you're not sure that, that actually they're following the things that they claim to be true or that change their lives. Like, maybe I could put it this way. Like, like I could say... That would be like me saying that I'm a vegetarian because I decided 10 years ago that, that I thought vegetarianism was good and I'm going to be a vegetarian. I mean, I eat meat. Like, I eat meat every day. But I'm a vegetarian because I decided to be a vegetarian 10 years ago. You know? And, and I like vegetarianism. I think it's really healthy. You know? And it's ethical and it's moral and it's healthy and, and vegetables are great and they got nutrients in them and I think vegetables are great, but I really love meat. So I eat a lot of meat. But I'm a vegetarian, just that eats meat. 
right? So it's funny, right? Because because you can intellectually assent with vegetarianism. You can think that it's really healthy. You can even think that it's really moral and ethical. And you can even say, I made a decision 10 years ago to be a vegetarian. But but if you eat meat every day, does anybody call you a vegetarian? No. And so I think we have to be careful here when we're, when we're talking about whether we're a fan or a follower of Jesus, that we really understand what following is. That you can't say, oh yeah, I follow Jesus. Well, you know, I don't didn't really do anything for him today, and I, he doesn't really impact my life, and I haven't really given him access to my job or to my marriage or to any other part of my life, but I follow Jesus. You know, because I made a decision to follow Jesus, and because I agree that he's a really good guy, I just I just don't actually give him any part of my life. But you can't talk that way. And that's what Jesus is driving at here in this text. These people are saying they want to follow him, but they're not quite there. Jesus is challenging the crowds that are following to see whether they really want to follow or whether they're just traveling along. This is where Jesus wants to be clear. He wants to be honest about what following him means. And so Jesus challenges people that say they will follow in order to convict their hearts and to reveal what is truly at the center of their heart. And in these three cases, Jesus says, basically, you won't risk your comfort. There's some people who can't follow me with their whole heart because they just can't risk their house and furniture and their comfort and their security. They like the idea of Jesus, but compared to risking the comfort of their home or having security or a place to sleep and live or perhaps maybe a little more relevantly or even being asked to live at a little lower lifestyle than their neighbors or to give up the things that they could buy in order to contribute to God's kingdom work, or to give up the things that they could be doing for themselves in order to do things for the kingdom. They just can't see that. It's hard to follow Jesus and money. You can't do it. But we worship materialism in North America, and having money and having things and keeping up with the neighbors and being perceived as being at a certain social class is really important to us. And so Jesus says to this guy, you know, you can follow me, but just understand... I don't, I don't have all these creature comforts. You gotta leave a lot of things behind to follow me. And it goes right to the heart of what was challenging this guy. That he would have to give these things up. And so to follow Jesus means you do put at risk some of your lifestyle. You do put at risk a little bit of your security. Sometimes you put at risk a lot of your security and a lot of your lifestyle. But that's what Jesus calls for those who follow him. For the second case, he says, some people won't release their own life, right? There's some people who have other things more important to them. They say, Lord, I will follow, but let me first. Or you could shorten that down. Lord, me first, right? I see what you're doing. I'm in favor of it. I like your teaching. I like your way. It was neat traveling along with you and seeing the things that you were doing. And I like that. And I'd like to do that too. But first, I got to do these other things. First, let me take care of this. Just just let me earn a little money and get my house and get my family started and then I'll, then I'll come and serve you. Or, or let me get my kids grown up and get them off to school and, and then I'll have time to, to, you know, to serve you and, and really follow you. Or it's like, well, let me get retired, right? Let me make all my money and get my RSPs put away and get my kids through college and then I'll be ready. I'll, I'll have everything taken care of. I'll be ready to follow you. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't do that. You just, Leave your other obligations and you come and you work in the kingdom of God. You start following me today. Following means we start today. Like, I'll be way down the road if you want to wait. I'll, I'll be gone. I may not be there. You have to release your life. You have to release the things that you want right now today in order to follow Jesus. Or thirdly, the third person here won't reorder their priorities. There's other things that Others, people that can't follow because they've put their family ahead of Jesus, for instance, in this case. They can't imagine leaving 
uh, are having to leave their family or not being part of important family events or honoring their family in exchange of honoring Jesus. And we may have to risk insult to our family and put other people ahead of our family in order to follow Jesus. And, and just saying that in this culture is almost sacrilegious. Like, how can you say I've got to put something ahead of my family? Doesn't family come first? Aren't children the most important thing in the universe? No, they're not, actually. But <laughs> children are not the most important things in the universe. Following Jesus is, and he will care for your children along the way. Right? But just saying that, that family might come before Jesus almost in this culture, uh, just family looms so large. And it's easy to convince ourselves that family is good and so spending virtually all our energy on family is fine. But anything we love more than Jesus is an idol and keeps us from following. And so Jesus says, unless you're willing to go down that path of offending your family, you won't be able to follow me. You can't leave one foot safe in your family and traditions and law and customs and culture and try to follow me with the other foot. Following me means leaving a certain life behind and starting a new life. And importantly here, a new life that will be hated and will be interpreted as hateful quite often by your family. And I know there's family here right now who suffer this way very directly. Their faith in Jesus is seen as an insult to their family. And their beliefs about marriage or abortion or gender are literally considered hateful by many of their other family members. You can't follow Jesus and not be hated. And the closer you follow Jesus, the more hatred you will attract. And this is what Jesus is laying out here for these three guys. You are going to lose your security. You're going to lose your comfort at some point. You have to be able to put that at risk. You are not going to be able to meet all of your obligations that you want to get done in your life first. You are going to offend your family. This is what's going to happen when you follow me. You can't follow Jesus and not have a cost. Following Jesus costs something. You will be cut out of a will. You'll be cut off from family. You'll be given the cold shoulder or you'll become the brunt of jokes or angry accusations. You might have to give up a girlfriend or give up a boyfriend that you have to break up with because of your relationship of following Jesus. You will have spouses that don't support you. You know, And we don't have to sugarcoat following Jesus. We have all suffered and suffer for it. Followers share that in common. You don't have to go through any of that alone, and you're surrounded by followers right now who share that struggle with you. Remember last week I talked about the blessing that we have of diversity because of God's love for inclusiveness and diversity. And one of the things we have here is we have people who have suffered for following Jesus in a hundred different ways. And so whatever you're suffering for following Jesus, I guarantee you there are people in this congregation that can help you with that. Talk to an elder. Talk to me. Talk to the things, talk about the things that you are going through in your life where you are being persecuted or where you are suffering or where you are struggling with giving up something in order to follow Jesus. And there are people there who will be right there with you. John Piper says, this amazing line, Piper says, the bloodline of Jesus is thicker, deeper, and stronger than the bloodline of race, ethnicity, and family. You gotta get that in your heart. The bloodline of Jesus is thicker, deeper, and stronger than the bloodline of race, ethnicity, and family. We have the bloodline of Jesus together as a family, as followers of Jesus, and that runs deeper than any other relationship that you have. 
And we want that thickness to be true here at Lakeside. That is what being part of this church is. And we don't want this church to be a place where we just come in and sit down, kind of invisible, and that nobody really knows what's going on in our lives, and nobody can really help us because we haven't opened up to them, and, and they're not sharing with us. And we don't want to be just another fan in the stands, but we want here at Lakeside that there's a deeper level of commitment to each other, where any of us give up a house or lands or family for the sake of Jesus, God provides a hundredfold in return through his church. Where you've had to lose family members or where you've had to bear the brunt of insults or where you've had to give up something in your life in order to follow Jesus, it is given back to you in the household of God. And that's what we want to be true here, to be faithful to that promise that God gives. And I also want to extend a note of caution here as well that we don't want to make these hard instructions more difficult than they are. Understand that Jesus is not saying there will never be a time when you never have a bed and a pillow and a roof. That was not even true of Jesus himself. I mean, he slept in people's houses. He had a pillow. He had a roof. He's not saying you're going to go without a roof over your head for the rest of your life, that, that security now is impossible for you. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying... It will always be wrong for you to be at your parents' funeral, that you just have to disown your family and that you have to disown all your family obligations and never partake in your family anymore. That's that's not what he's saying. Jesus went to funerals too. We talked about one a couple months ago, Lazarus's. Jesus went to funerals. So he's not saying that you just give up on your family. And he's not saying that that one season of doubt of of or one time of second-guessing your following of Jesus, that uh, you put your hand to the plow and, and, and that you're just not sure where Jesus is leading and whether you can follow. He's not saying that, that one period of doubt or one time of second-guessing will make you forever unfit for future service. That's not what he's saying, because Jesus himself wrestled with the task that the Father had set to him, and it was a struggle for him. We have to understand these hard teachings the same way we understand other teachings of Jesus. For instance, the way in which he presented the challenge of following the rich young ruler and to Zacchaeus, who wanted to follow Jesus. To the rich young ruler, Jesus said, it is going to cost you all your possessions to follow me. He says, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. That's what he said to the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. But to Zacchaeus, Jesus, Zacchaeus said to Jesus, Lord, the half, not 100%, but half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have defrauded any, I'll restore it fourfold. And Jesus responded to Zacchaeus with joy. Today salvation has come to this house. Now why do I point that out? Why did he say to the rich young ruler, you have to give up everything and then come follow me. Give it all away. But then when Zacchaeus says, well, I'll give you half of, I'll give back half of what I have and if I've defrauded anybody, I'll give them four times. And Jesus says, right on. boy." And you think, well, that's not fair. Well, how, how come it's 100% for the one guy and it's only 50% for the other guy? That doesn't make sense. Well, because following Jesus is not about rules. We had a law at one point, and this is not about the law. This is about Jesus seeing into the heart of the people that he is speaking to and who he's convicting, and he knows your idols. He knows what is holding you back from following him. And so for one of you, he might say it's 100%, and for another, he might say it's 50%. For some of us, he might say, you know, it's football. You gotta give up football. Because you're a football family, or you're a hockey family, or you're a sports family. You guys gotta give up sports. You gotta, you gotta maybe turn your back on your family who's like gung-ho for sports and say, you know what, dad, or you know what, mom, I'm not gonna do this sports thing because I gotta follow Jesus. And that sports thing is getting in my way. 
right? Or it might be some pleasure, it might be some activity, it might be uh, TV or vacations or movies or video games. There's something in your life that Jesus will look, he knows you're idle, and so it's not the same for everybody. When he speaks to these three people, it wasn't the same for all three of them. There was a different thing that he put his finger on for them to follow. And so the point of this is not to make new rules. We've got to get this straight. The, the point of the tough teaching of Jesus as he calls people and different people to follow him is not to create a new set of rules or laws that all disciples or all Christians have to keep. And we're so good at this. For some reason, we just love laws. And so we do this all the time in the church. And we start making these things up like, thou shalt give all your money away, or thou shalt give half your money away, or thou shalt go without a bed, or thou shalt have no funerals for your dad. Or thou shalt never see your family again. You know, no, you can't say, well, you're not a good Christian unless you do this thing. Those are just new laws that we like to make up. And it's not that easy. The gospel is not that simple of just following a list of rules. You have to dig into what Jesus is speaking into your heart and understand the idol in your life and what he's saying about you. Not what he's saying about other people, but what he's saying about you have to do to follow. And not project what... God has called you to do to follow onto everybody else. Because not everybody has to give up football. Maybe just you have to give up football. Not everybody has to give up video games. Maybe just you have to give up video games. Not everybody has to give up money. Maybe just you have to give up money. But Jesus will look into your life and he will eventually say, yeah, you've been traveling along with me for a while now, but what does it really mean to follow? And he will challenge the crowds. And we're part of the crowds that he challenges as to whether we're just traveling along and it's an easy journey or whether we're really following Jesus to Jerusalem, the path of sacrifice to a place where we do have to give up our security and our family and our being likable in order to follow him. Because there is a cost to following Jesus. We've recently seen in the news the persecution of Christians and churches around the world. This is what I'm talking about, right? We've seen it in the news with ISIS and and all the stuff that's going on around the world and in in Asia. And just as an example of what churches deal with in South Asia where the persecution is common, the church planters there now, they have this list of questions that they ask people who are joining their church when they're planting new churches in Asia where the church is just expanding and, and booming under persecution. But they ask people as they join these churches that they're planting by the thousands, they have this list now that the pastors go through, and they ask these questions. Are you willing to leave your home and lose the blessing of your family? Family's a big deal in Asia, too, just like it is here. And so they ask, are you willing to leave your home and lose the blessing of your family? Are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to lose to forgive those who persecute you? Are you willing to share the love of Christ with your enemies? Are you willing to give an offering out of what you possess for the Lord? Are you willing to be beaten rather than deny your faith? Are you willing to go to prison? Are you willing to die for Jesus? Now would you like to become a member of the church? Like, What kind of sale job is that? Right? But they like Jesus, want to be fair and honest. They want to say, look, this is what it costs you to follow. It's what it could cost you. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we want to understand that following may cost us something. Not even maybe, but it will cost you something. And so when Jesus confronted the crowds that were traveling with him in Luke 14, if you were to look at that example, he said, who builds a tower without first counting the cost? Right After he said that, you eventually may have to hate your family in order to follow me or show them behave in a way that they will count hateful. 
He says, who builds a tower without first counting the cost? You have to know the cost of what you're choosing. And you may not be put in a situation like they go through in the Middle East or in South Asia, right? This is not a scare tactic. The truth is that it may never come to that, but following Jesus does have some cost. And so in comparison to that, I wonder, are we willing to pay even the far lower price that we have to pay to be Christians in Canada? Because the price we have to pay in Canada is so much lower. To give up a few extra first world luxuries so that the gospel and ministry can happen out of our offerings. To give up a couple of nights out of our week so that we can help out a ministry or mentor a young believer or sit with a shut-in. To just skip that vacation one year or maybe just one of our vacations one year in order to support a student on a mission trip instead or go on a mission trip ourselves. Or maybe a harder cost. Be willing to bear the wounds of hurtful people and yet extend them love anyway. There are lots of ways that following Jesus will extract a cost. And so we need to know, are we just fans that are following along, or are we followers who are on the same road to Jerusalem that Jesus is on? And now at the same time, for some of you might be thinking, well, then I can't follow because I don't think I could go to prison or take a beating or even bear the hatred of my family. If that's a qualification for following Jesus, then I can't meet it. Well, bear in mind that Jesus doesn't ask of us more than we're equipped to bear. Remember that the very first qualification or the very first prerequisite of following Jesus is that we're not qualified. The first step of this following and every step after the first step is acknowledging to Jesus that we are not supermen and we are not superwomen. We are sinners and we know it. The first qualification is acknowledging that we don't qualify. We don't qualify for following by meeting some super-Christian standard. We qualify for following by confessing our weakness and allowing Jesus to put our comfort at risk and releasing our life to Jesus and letting Jesus reorder our priorities. So the first step of following Jesus is acknowledging that we don't measure up to following Jesus. And we have God to thank for that. That because of the cross, because of what Jesus did in Jerusalem, we have an opportunity to follow him even though there is no way we could measure up to following him. Because God has decided in his mercy and in his love that he's going to accept followers who are simply willing to put their trust in Jesus and put today one foot ahead of the other and let tomorrow take care of itself and trust that together Jesus will move us forward on this journey so that we will be unlike these three other guys, that we will allow Jesus to put our comfort at risk, that we will release our life to Jesus and let him into all the areas of it, that we will let Jesus reorder our priorities and put his finger on those idols in our lives and take them off the throne and get them into the garbage bin so that he can be on the throne and our priorities are right. And that's why you have someone in the Gospels like Matthew, a tax collector, who decides to follow Jesus, but he's still got a long way to go after that decision to follow. Following Jesus is not about, okay, I've got my life all together, I've got everything figured out, I've got my act together, now I'm ready to follow. No. Following Jesus is saying, Jesus, I'm just going to follow you today, and I'm going to follow you tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. And I'm going to be on this journey with you, and you're going to move me along on this journey. What's required of us to follow Jesus is a submitted and a surrendered spirit that says, okay, Jesus, I, I get it. I'll leave my house behind. I'll leave my family behind. I'll leave my obligations behind. 
I won't go back. I won't look back. You've called me to follow today. I'm going to start following today. And I'll leave those things behind. That's what following Jesus starts with. What's required of us is submission and surrendered spirit that says, I'm not righteous, but what I want, what you want. And what you want is right. Your way is the way I'm going to follow. It's the narrow path. It might be difficult, but that's the road I'm committed to. And so as we get started in these growth groups this week, the video series, and the video series is going to embark on a series of, uh, it's sort of a story, as I've mentioned, that goes along with the teaching. And it's going to sort of take you on this narrative journey that poses these very questions that Jesus posed here to these guys and to the crowds. It's going to pose questions of life and death and family and funerals and possessions and priorities. And the series will explore what following really means and how Jesus intends for us to follow him together. And so we get a chance to be part of that crowd when the miracles are going on and the healing is happening and the, the food is coming and, and Jesus is blessing everybody and, and we're traveling along and everything's so great. That's good. But for the next little while, if you'll bear with it, it's that time when Jesus turns to the crowd and says, are you just traveling or are you really following? Are you just fans of what I'm about or are you following where I'm going? And that's what this series is about. That's what you'll be able to go through together as we go through this video series. How are we at Lakeside following Jesus, not just traveling along being fans of Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this morning... We're just, we're here together as a crowd. We're here together, gathered before your word. And Lord, we want to take seriously your teaching. These things are not in the gospel for us to gloss over or avoid. They're in the gospel for us to be challenged by. And we're all at different paths in our traveling and in our journey with you. Some are just traveling, still wondering whether they want to switch from being a fan to a follower. Some of us are followers that are all in different, different places in our life, having trouble letting go of some things. Um, really doing great in other areas. Lord, I just pray that you would take this next six weeks and that in the next six weeks you would uh, open up our hearts and reveal to us uh, what it means to really follow you in our life, not in everybody else's life, but in our life. What does it mean and what do you want for us to be doing to be following you today? And Lord, from that, I know there will be great blessing that's poured out on your people. That as we follow more closely to you, we may be more hated by the world. We may have to break off relationships that are hurtful. We may be set aside by some people in our lives. We may have to give up some things here and there, first world problems. But Lord, the blessing that you will pour out by us following closer will be more than we could ask or imagine. And so that's what we're seeking in the next few weeks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.